what's good welcome back to the god's vibes podcast exciting news y'all today today is officially the launch of open enrollment for the god's vibes mastermind you heard it here first enrollment for the god's vibes mastermind is officially open you've been hearing some amazing testimonies on the podcast and that's only a few of them we're just scratching the surface here so this has been on your heart if you've been looking to put god at the center of all you think say and do if you've been looking to be god's next success story if you've been looking how to transform your life through the power of god you know that you can't self-help your way you know that you can't just read another book or take another course and change your life but it's got to be god If you want God to be the center of your business, if you truly want to surrender your mission to God, if you want to know who you are in God and really understand your identity, your purpose, your legacy, we dive into all of that. The God's Vibes Mastermind is actually four different modules that are completed over three months. But the great thing is, is you get to go through it four times and there's weekly live coaching for an entire year, for an entire year, meaning wherever you are in that mastermind content, I love to say you can't get behind, you get to get coached on it throughout an entire year. And that doesn't even include all of the bonuses. There is so much value in there. And so I invite you to join us on this round. You can enroll now. You just go to www.courageco.org and you will see the mastermind. We do have payment plan options or you can pay in full and save 33%. Whatever, whatever you, you desire to do, we've developed those two options to serve you. So if you're already inside Courage Co., you're going to see this under courses and programs. If you're not in Courage Co. yet, all you do is go to www.courageco.org. This will be the most, when it comes to finances, if that's where some of you are, this is the most cost-effective way to get coaching, to get programming, to get ongoing support for your spiritual growth and personal development for a year, okay? This is actually really, really crazy when it comes down to it, but you are worth that investment. So go check it out, www.courageco.org. Get plugged in there. Prep week is actually going to start next week. So it's going to start Monday. Let me get a calendar in front of me. Okay, it's going to start Monday, June 26th. That's the start of prep week, which is a full week of content before you even get into the content. And the very first live call is going to be on July 13th, just to make sure that you can enjoy the holiday and not get behind or not miss out on anything, okay? So you've got between now and Monday to get plugged in to take advantage of Prep Week. You can go to www.courageco.org to enroll now. And if you're inside Courage Co., you're going to look in the left dashboard menu under Courses and Programs. Click that and you'll see the option to enroll for the mastermind either in a payment plan, you're welcome, or you can pay in full and save 33%. Also, you're welcome. (laughs) 
All right, so get plugged in there. Now, when it comes to a message for today, something that's been really interesting, I don't know if it's surprising, but definitely pulls the heartstrings. One of the episodes that y'all loved so much is what happens when you don't like who you're becoming. What happens when you don't like who you're becoming? Have you ever been there? I don't like who I'm becoming. Now I've been there, okay? So that that's a really scary place to be. There's actually a story about this. I remember I shared this, I believe, on one of the master classes or challenges. Oh yeah, and I didn't let you know that. We are, <laughs> my bad. We are also doing a challenge. It's a free challenge. It's on mastering your emotions. You are not gonna wanna miss this one. This is one of the things that I love. Something that people talk a lot to me about is energy. How do you get so much energy? What's, what, how, how do you do this? Teach me, teach me how to energy. <laughs> teach me how that happens, right? So we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about mastering your emotions because the thing with emotions is that we don't learn how to manage them. We don't learn how to control them. We don't learn that they are a powerful tool for our personal growth. We don't even learn how to feel them, process them, none of it, right? We're not trained about them in school. We're definitely not shown about emotions growing up a lot of the time. We're not even equipped, right? People are doing the best they can with what they have, but a lot of us don't do well when it comes to the world of emotion. So we're going through it in a free three-day challenge. This is also in Courage Co. So when you plug in there, www.couragecoat.org, you will see an events option in the left menu. Just click on that. You can RSVP and you can even sync it to your calendar. So get plugged into that. It's gonna be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Tuesday the 20th, Wednesday the 21st, Thursday the 22nd, we're talking Mastering Your Emotions. It's gonna be 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, okay? So we're gonna talk about Mastering Your Emotions. Back to this thought. When we don't like who we're becoming, it's a really, really overwhelming place to be. So I had shared in a Masterclass or Challenge recently about this, I remember a specific moment in my life where I was straight up struggle bussing, okay? I was having a midlife crisis, only I wasn't even midlife yet. <laughs> Interesting how that happens. Maybe it was more of a quarter life crisis before people knew what that was. And I was really struggling. I knew that I wasn't gonna be an athlete my entire life. I had no clue what I was gonna do with my life actually. I kept finding so many things that I didn't want to do or that weren't working. I kept throwing myself into some pretty crazy things. I did a trip to New York that I set up by myself to work at Fitness Magazine. I threw myself into, in uh, they called it an experiential education program in Philadelphia, Center City, Philly. I worked in all sorts of different positions while in undergrad. And everyone just kept showing me, mm -mm, nope, 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 nope. And that was awful. <laughs> and not only that, but I had recently, when I moved to go to college, my parents had gotten remarried. My dad remarried my stepmom the day after I graduated high school. So there was no transition. It was sort of like, you'll just, you know, you'll figure it out. This is logical. Zero transition. Now I'm in college. I have no place to really come home to anymore. 
I don't know who I am. I These things that I loved, athletics specifically, even school in a lot of ways, I can't do now. I mean, in terms of career, you're not just going to go be an athlete for the rest of your life. So I'm like, who am I? Why am I here? How am I going to make a difference? Okay. And in this time too, there was, while I was working in New York, I had a crazy, the the signs of it started forming, but I had the signs of an eating disorder starting to form at that time. And when I came back from New York and right before I went to Philly, it got wildly out of control. Only nobody knew about it. So I remember being home at one point and my younger sister is seven and a half years younger than me. So I essentially raised her. There was a time in our life where my adoptive mother was struggling with alcoholism. Very bad. The cops were called many times. She did all sorts of wild things that you would only see in movies. Terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying for a young person. So she was not reliable at all. My my father could be seen as a workaholic, but just knew how to work. That's all he knew how to do. Not emotionally available, not present, not around nothing. I had an older sister that was very rebellious. And then this younger sister, seven and a half years younger, was an infant at the time. So I'm kind of the middle mediator and caring for her. One of the things that was beautiful about that was that I would play dollhouse stories with her (laughs) until I literally could not anymore. I think I killed off all the characters and she would fall asleep and she doesn't remember anything about growing up and about how bad it was, which is amazing, right? She's not scarred by that in that way, but it was brutal. So at this time, you know, this bond that I have with my younger sister, it was not just like a sister. It was almost like a nurturer or a caregiver. There's some instinct in you that kicks in when the environment isn't safe. I can't even explain it, right? But then there came a time in this season when I'm in undergrad and I am home for... I believe it was like a Christmas break, something like that, and miserable, not welcome in a house that I technically should be welcome into, but I'm not at all. You know, it's sort of like you're out of sight, out of mind. And now that you're here, it's just awkward. Make sure you follow all of our rules until you leave. You know, it's just very bizarre. Um, So I remember having a moment and my younger sister was looking at me struggle. And I just sat and I looked at her and I said, look, I don't, I'm not proud of what I'm doing. What I'm doing is not right. But I can't stop what I'm doing. And I don't want you to choose what I'm doing, right? Like literally do not do what I'm doing. I'm going to do my best to figure this out, but this is not healthy. I'm not healthy and I'm working on it. But there's definitely a better way. I just haven't found that yet. And I'm really struggling and I'm so sorry that you have to see me like this. It's really hard. It's really hard and I'm not going to pretend that it's not, or that I have all the answers, but I'm having a really hard time. And I remember feeling so crushed on the inside, right? Because I was always somebody that was the perfectionist, the one that had it all together, the one that could be counted on, the one that was reliable, and now I'm the one that's falling apart and nobody knows about it. And she could see me starting to fall apart. Or I didn't even want to be found out, I just wanted to be authentic with her, right? And I didn't want her to feel the levels of pain that I was experiencing. So I just want to be honest. So all that to say, that moment was brutal. It reminds me of Paul. 
Let me see if I can pull where he actually says it. It's so good, you guys. Some of you probably know this. Um, I, let's see. It is, dun, 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 let me find it. Dun, dun, dun. Thing, I, let's see where it is. Oh yes, okay. Romans 7, 15 to 20 says this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who does it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do, do not want to do. It is no longer I who does it, but sin living in me that does it. Okay. Romans 7, 15 to 20. So this crazy out of control eating disorder didn't make any sense. I kept doing this thing that I hated. I knew I didn't want to do it. It was incredibly embarrassing and shameful in so many things. Um, my family had no idea what to do with me. I told them that I had sought counseling at the time. And at this point, I'm only a sophomore in undergrad, right? So I told them, like, I had to tell them I lost all this weight. I was <laughs> size zero, maybe beneath that if there is such a thing. Um, it was to me obvious on the outside, probably. And I just told people like I'm struggling. And the responses I got were devastating. People that I told started looking at me like a fun specimen. My family wanted to pull me out of school and put me in some sort of center. And it was devastating, absolutely devastating. It's that, you know, adding insult to injury. And so I was in this place of not liking who I was becoming, literally falling apart, feeling like I had no idea why, no tools to navigate this, zero people in my corner covering me, protecting me, supporting me in any kind of way. And me just going to therapy because I thought that's what you do. <laughs> and I thought that's how you handle it, let alone I'm on a college campus, right? So everybody's out drinking, having the time of their lives, finding their partners and their spouses, because apparently that's why some people go to school. And it was brutal. And this was a small campus, too. So it was almost worse. Like my high school was bigger. So it was almost worse navigating that. And I felt awful, awful. And at this point... I was raised Catholic, so I didn't even know I could have a relationship with God. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to cry out to God. I didn't know any of this stuff. So I was just doing my best to figure it out. And at the time, that looked like you just keep going. You just keep going. And if people can't handle me, I'll figure out somehow to handle me. Okay? So all that story to share that I 100% understand what it's like to not like who you're becoming, but feel so wildly un out of control that you also don't feel like you're able to do anything about it. And so it's easier to keep trying to keep in this, in this case, like a full-fledged addiction, it's easier to, to maintain that because that's something I can control versus starting to, to figure out how to navigate any other way, right? 
So I wanted to talk about that. If you have found yourself in a place where you don't like who you're becoming, I'm going to talk today about the secret of commitment and probably in a way that you don't expect. But trust me, I'm going to bring us here because one of the things that I think is really beautiful now, I've shared this to some degree, but I think with this story, now you'll understand the weight of it. God made me a safe place to be. Okay, (laughs) some of the things when I have clients come to work with me, one of the best things that they say that I love is that they want this peace that I carry. They want this confidence that I carry, this boldness that I carry. Right. But they couldn't possibly understand how hard won, how expensive that was. Right. And how actually genuine and authentic it is right? People might look now and be like, why are you so joyful? Well, that's not manufactured. That's real. (laughs) Joy costs you something, okay? Peace costs you something. So all that to say, it is possible. But one of the beautiful things is God made me a safe place to be. That was one of my impossibles. I didn't think that I could ever be still. I didn't think that I could ever just be by myself and accept who that person was let alone love that person, had no idea how to do that. Because underneath the surface, I had deep, 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 deep abandonment wounds, betrayal wounds, rejection wounds, right? And these were like embedded and reinforced in my being over and over and over again. So I didn't even really know what I was up against, right? It's similar to other episodes where I've talked about being in spiritual battles that you don't know how to win, (laughs) let alone fight, right? So what I talk about here is real. And I just want to thank you guys for listening, for supporting, for being a part of this work. But what I want to model, if I can in any way, is hope. Hope in what is possible. Healing. Healing is 100% possible. Breakthrough. Overcoming. Right? Like, I'm healed to such a degree that I, I have a hard time remembering how painful those seasons were. And let me just tell you the extent of it. I might not be here because of those seasons. That's how bad it was. The level of destruction and harm that I was causing to myself, the the level of just crazy making that was happening in my life at the time, out of control, right? Some people don't survive that. So all that to say, this work is not a joke. And this work does cost you something, but it's worth every investment. And your healing, your breakthrough, your transformation is always always connected to somebody else. Okay. So if you are courageous enough to do this work, you will experience the freedom that's always on the other side when you do this work with God. Always. There's healing, there's breakthrough, there's transformation. There is far greater than you dare ask, think, or imagine. That promise is true and it is real. But there is a journey that you must go through, a process that you must endure to get to that promise, okay? And we don't arrive. We are constantly evolving all of the time. And we have areas that are greater areas of weakness than than other people. We have areas that are greater areas of strength, right? There's no, you can't compare this. It's just understanding that you have your unique journey in earth school, (laughs) right? And if you choose to really grow through what you go through, which I believe you really can only do with God, right? And be transformed by the renewing of your mind and totally depend on him. He will deliver you. He will 
open your eyes to things that were beyond you. He will equip and empower you to walk out the destiny that he designed for you. But you've got to be willing and obedient, okay? So I'm going to talk about today the secret of commitment. This is something that I stumbled into. Didn't It was an impossibility for me, okay? And it's something that I am relentless about now and want to break down with you, okay? So I want you just for a second to think back to a time when you were a teenager, okay? Where so many of us are our most awkward, vulnerable selves, right? Our hormones are just in overdrive. We're bursting with new desires and locked down by old fears. Will I be seen? Will I be understood? Will I ever be loved? Right? Do you remember being a teenager? Ugh. Right? (laughs) During this time, we often convince ourselves that if we could only find a special someone who will be our partner, all will be right in the world. Right? That's what we think. That's what we believe. And in our first dive into relationships, for better or worse, many of us make series of commitments that can set the stage for serious difficulties later on, okay? So we commit to keeping someone special happy. We commit to telling our special someone what they want to hear. We commit to looking and acting a certain way all for the benefit of our special someone. And we commit to being the person we imagine that special someone wants us to be, okay? So when you think about the first person that you were in relationship, you're like, do we say that we're dating? Are you my girlfriend? Are you my boyfriend? Like, how does this whole thing work? Like, you're figuring it out, right? And of course, you can see where this is going. Each of these commitments is how we seek approval, Okay, it's how we seek approval, but it's also how we seek attention and love. And every step we take in this direction moves us farther away from the fundamentals of which all human beings require to be happy and healthy. Honesty, contentment, self-acceptance, and self-love. What? And yet, we make these teenage commitments almost universally, right? That's why movies resonate so well with people. And that's okay, right? They're part of how we grow up and discover ourselves, and they can provide a really good jumping off point as we start our early journeys of self-discovery. The problem is that many of us continue to bring these old ideas and practices into our mature relationships, even when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, or beyond. Yes, it's true. We don't replace these early ideas with another way of doing things and different kinds of commitment. And we often then find ourselves in real difficulties later on in our relationships. Heart issues is what I like to call those. And you might be thinking, nah, that's not me. I don't do that. But the habit of altering who you are for someone else can be subtle and hard to break, even for those of us who've been doing inner work for years. So look deeply into yourself. Are there ways in which you look to your special someone or potential special someone for clues about who you should be and how you should act. 
Are there ways in which you look to your special someone or potential special someone for clues about who you should be and how you should act? This is in the workplace too, y'all. Crazy in the workplace too. Also happens for entrepreneurs. (laughs) There's nothing that will challenge your your identity quite like becoming an entrepreneur. Promise you, if you got identity issues, they'll all come up. Every single one. Every single one. So this is domestication. In a word, that's what's happening here, what I've been describing. Okay? These are the ways we are encouraged to behave, quote unquote, that society finds acceptable, has played So society basically tells us what to think and what to do. We're not taught how to think or why to do these things. We're just told what to do and what to think. So we're not taught how to think for ourselves. And that's played a big role in the development of the idea that we need to commit to changing ourselves to make someone else happy. Has anyone else been committed to that? That's essentially what was at the destruction of myself when I was in undergrad literally destroyed myself. Completely. Imploded. (laughs) Right? So, have you ever done that before? Just think about it. Have you committed to changing yourself to make someone else happy? The media endlessly portrays this type of behavior as normal, necessary, and even advantageous when it comes to finding that special someone particularly a special someone with whom we would like to share a lifetime commitment, right? You can probably already think of the movie that's famous for this. (laughs) Anyone? I wish I could hear you guys right now. I feel like you're already coming up with it. Jerry Maguire is the movie, right? Where uh, Tom Cruise's Jerry says, you complete me, right? Dang it. (laughs) Not romantic. So when he says this, we see the character's underlying belief. If he is complete only through his relationship with his beloved, right, then he is otherwise essentially incomplete. He cannot be a whole human without that human, okay? However, we as individuals are already complete right here, right now. There's nothing else we need to do other than just be who we are in the moment. And the goal of a happy and healthy relationship is to form a true partnership where you share the joys and pains of being human. With that in mind, okay, consider this radical idea regarding commitment. Are you ready? What if that special someone you commit to, no matter what else, or who else comes along is you. The real secret in relationships is that it all starts with a commitment to yourself. Truly, it is foundational because if we don't honor who we are, it is impossible, literally impossible for us to truly honor another. So most of us, whether we've been in a relationship for 20 years or are currently looking for one, we need to learn how to truly, deeply, fully commit to ourselves no matter what. But what does that really mean and how do we do that, okay? That (laughs) is at the core of what I was describing as this quarter-life 
crisis, right? Where everything just started to build and I had no skills. I had no, no clue how to navigate that. And in fact, like I said, most people do not. Most people do not, which is devastating. So committing to yourself begins with dropping the ideas that you must change in order to be loved by someone else and that you need someone else to be complete. Anytime you are seeking to complete yourself through being accepted by another, you are actually leaving yourself. Self-abandonment. And a lot of times, too, in relationships that we were never meant to be in, we start having a series of self-betrayals. We start rejecting ourself. And we do that before somebody else even does it. And we treat, we tell them, basically, how to treat us, okay? So the crazy level of rejection sometimes that we experience from other people is the level that we've been rejecting ourselves. Devastating, but often true. Okay, the level of abandonment that we experience from other people is directly correlated a lot of the time to how we've abandoned ourselves. Okay, so hear that again. Anytime you are seeking to complete yourself through being accepted by another, you are actually leaving yourself. And while this may seem to work in the short term, such as when a relationship is brand new and everything seems magical, the truth is that you are only kicking the can farther down the road. That is to say, in another way, you're putting the problem off rather than dealing with it, which will only cause it to resurface in the future. I call this just circling the mountain. Like, and if you're done circling the mountain, (laughs) you might be ready to wake up, right? So at some point in our lives, we must all face ourselves directly and learn to embrace what we find. And that was literally what I had zero idea how to do. How do you, I was terrified actually of what I would find because so many people had not chosen me, right? Like did not accept me, did not help me believe that I was worthy, that I was valuable, that I was appreciated, right? The exact opposite happened and was reinforced. So I thought, well, shoot, if I start slowing down and looking at what's in here, I'm probably not going to like what I find either. So maybe I'll just speed up and go really fast and try to become all these things and then I won't have to look. Well, that didn't work. (laughs) But man, do we try. And I am so quick at seeing people do this now. So quick. Woof. Because where you've been, you can definitely identify. So this commitment to yourself continues by... Here's what I want you to hear. Releasing judgment in favor of compassion, letting go of feeling victimized in favor of being honestly vulnerable and shifting your focus away from who you think others want you to be and toward finding out who you are now. If you don't know who you are now, you will never get to where you want to be. You need the plot points. Here's where I am. Here's where I desire to be. The gap, what's required to get there. Okay? Just like we would do on a GPS, we got to do that. But if you cannot get honest about where you actually are and who you are right now, then you can't face who you need to become to get to that place that you want to be at. Right? An example of this. 
Um, somebody could say, I really want to be married. Okay, well, are you practicing being a husband or a wife? Because a marriage takes about 30 minutes, 45, 60. That's done. Then what? Then you actually have a marriage. That's going to take your life. <laughs> you ready for that? That, last time I checked, is nothing that you rush into. It's not something that you force or pressure people into. It's something that you actually evaluate. Go take a marriage class. Do some counseling, right? Find out. Test and see how ready you are before jumping into that or moving off an impulse, right? It will spare you a lot of chaos later. The questions are still going to have to come up. It's just whether you want to do it before or after the fact, right? So think about that. You've got to know where you are now in order to build for where you're going, okay? So there's a couple of tools that I'm going to share today to make this tangible because what I don't believe in, I don't believe in information. I believe in revelation, okay? Information alone will not change your life. Revelation is great, but you've got to apply it, okay? So I'm going to give you some tools to apply, all right? And this is why it's great to get into the Courage Co. Masterclasses, the challenges, the mastermind is my highest recommendation and encouragement. If you're not doing one-on-one coaching, I recommend the mastermind only because this is a space where you are devoted to your growth and to your development. And we don't have a lot of spaces like that in our lives. So unless you invest in one, that work does not happen automatically. Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple of tools that are foundational when it comes to committing to yourself, okay? Breaking up with your judge, breaking up with your victim, and claiming what you want more of in your life, okay? And I'm going to break all these down here to help you out, but these are the three that I'm going to going to take you into. So tool number one, breaking up with your judge. Have you ever noticed that unhelpful voice in your mind. Ever notice that? It tells you that you're not good enough and discourages you from trying something new because you might fail, (laughs) right? When it comes to relationships especially, it's the voice that reminds you of past mistakes and then berates you for making them in the first place. It's your own voice, of course, but this is part of you that for this tool, we're just going to name it the judge, okay? Because when you can name something, then it doesn't have the same kind of power over you. You can see it for what it is versus being oblivious to it, right? Your level of self-awareness increases. So when you have that awareness, then you can choose to be under its influence or not, okay? So the judge often comes out when you are fearful lonely or regretful or are experiencing any variety of other negative emotions. I like to think about this as coupling season (laughs) or cuffing season, I think is when people talk about it in the winter, right? When you go back to those people you shouldn't be hanging out with in the first place, when you're lonely, right? When you're regretful, when you're stuck in the internet, for, for exes, right, or experiencing a variety of other negative emotions that tend to come up during the holidays, okay? The judge is usually loud during the holidays. Often, there's another saying, when you go back home and spend time with family, you see how much you've grown. <laughs> That's true. 
The judge will also speak up in response to external stimuli, such as when you see a scene in a movie that reminds you of a past relationship mistake, or you're around someone who reminds you of an ex. Okay, in these moments, the judge will rush in to remind you that you failed. Statements such as, if only I hadn't divorced or married that person, my life would be better now. If my body looked more like his or hers, then I'd be happy. And these are common judgments that many people tell themselves, though these can certainly vary from person to person. So pronouncements such as these are from our judge and they are never, 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 never helpful in terms of developing a happy and healthy relationship with ourselves and thus with other people. Because when you are an unhappy human, you're going to make other people around you very unhappy also. It's going to happen. What many people don't realize is that how you speak to yourself affects your relationships with others. So as an example, just consider some of these scenarios. Let's say that Jan is a busy professional who takes great pride in the work she does for her clients. But when things don't go well at work on any given day, she berates herself for it, often without realizing it. Does anyone know Jan? Has anyone been Jan? The judge voice in her mind tells her that if her work isn't perfect, then it's not worthy. And if her work isn't worthy, then neither is she. This often creates a spiral of similar thoughts, all starting with whatever went wrong at work and ending in attacks and insults against her very self-worth. This self, really it's like self-flagellation, right? Against her very self-worth darkens her mood considerably and then she becomes somebody that is not fun to deal with, but she, let's say she'll come home from that and to her unsuspecting partner. Who wants to be Jan's partner here? (laughs) Because she created so much negativity in herself by listening to her judge, she often snaps at her partner or is in no mood for fun. Right? In fact, probably the more playful this partner is, the worse off it's going to be for them. When Jan began to notice her internal judge and the effect it was having on her mood, she changed. She committed to supporting herself rather than judging herself. Her partner was the beneficiary of her improved mood, and it was all the result of her committing to herself first and foremost. The partner didn't matter how the partner showed up. Her changed all of the things. Her showing up for herself changed everything. When you listen to and believe your inner judge, you are more likely to judge your partner or anyone in your world for that matter. Imagine this. You and your partner have made a commitment to save towards a goal. Your judge crafts a controlling set of rules about money, praising every penny you pinch and admonishing you for spending on anything that might not be a strict necessity. It sets the tone for the rules to be followed, whether or not you spell them out together. You tell your partner you want them to quit spending money on frivolous things, and your judge approves this message. After all, you are being clear about your needs and expectations, right? 
<laughs> but with this kind of message, sooner or later, your judge will be on a collision course with the well-being of your partnership. No one can live up to the demands of your internal judge, not you and not your partner. The judge quickly loses sight of the positive values of your decision together, the warmth of shared goals, the give and take of communication, let's say, and replaces them with its own factual version of events. This is a recipe for resentment. Has anybody frequented resentment? Our judge is also the resident enforcer of our domesticated ideas of perfection. When it comes to committing to ourselves fully, one of the key pieces that many of us struggle with is feeling unworthy. This is so human. How can we commit to ourselves when we are so imperfect in so many ways? The judge in us helps to create an image of perfection that we use as a measuring stick against ourselves. This is how I am versus this is how I should be. This split that occurs in our minds leads us to reject or abandon ourselves until we can achieve perfection. We tell ourselves, if I could only look this way or if I can achieve this, only then will I be okay enough with myself to accept myself. And because we rarely live up to those perfect expectations, we end up rejecting ourselves over and over and over again. And even if we do manage to live up to that image of perfection, most of us simply use that occasion to raise the bar even higher. Yikes. This starts a vicious cycle as our self-rejection leads us to fear that we will be rejected by others. We hope somebody else out there will help us feel connected, loved, and complete, but we are also simultaneously terrified that they will reject, abandon, or judge us because we have already done that to ourselves. In order to mitigate that risk, we commit to changing ourselves into who or what we imagine they want us to be. Hello, chameleons, <laughs> right? You're just giving yourself a great practice in being inauthentic. How do we break that cycle? Committing to ourselves. Committing to ourselves starts with accepting and loving ourselves exactly as we are right now. No need to change, no need to morph, no need to be a chameleon. Just accepting yourself exactly as you are right now. Because if you don't do that, nobody else will accept you for who you actually are. They will accept you for who you pretend to be. And nobody can keep that up. It is as simple and as complex as that. We let go of who we think think that we're supposed to be, whoever that is, who we wish we were, and who we think others in our life want us to be. And doing this is the first step in coming home to ourselves. Committing to ourselves continues when we make the decision to break up with the judge. And this is not easy to do at all. 
for most of us, our relationship with our judge is one of the longest relationships we've been in. Okay? (laughs) It's nasty. It is nasty. The importance of compassion here is something that I want to highlight. Breaking up with a judge starts by noticing when it speaks. That self-awareness is crucial. For so many of us, our inner dialogue is incredibly negative, especially in the area of relationships. And this often started early as we tried to please parents and teachers and all sorts of people, coaches, whoever, right? So this inner dialogue is incredibly loud as well. We're so tied in with our judge that when they speak, always in our own voice internally, we mistake the judgments for facts and we punish ourselves accordingly. I was a great self-punisher. So take a look at some of these statements that I'm going to share here. Just take a listen to them. Okay. Think about a time maybe when you said something similar to yourself, or maybe you've even said it recently. Could have even been today. I'm so stupid. I can't believe that I did that again. My legs, my hips, my thighs, fill in the blank, are too fat. I'm not lovable. I'm such a failure. I'll never get this right. You talk to yourself like that? These are just a few of the ways that our inner judge speaks. And when it does, we often don't even realize the damage we are doing to ourselves in the process. Sometimes our judge shows up in disguise, posing as a helpful friend. Liar. (laughs) So for instance, if you aren't paying attention... Your judge can sneakily turn any spiritual and self-help practice into a tool for beating yourself up. We judge ourselves for not being compassionate enough, forgiving enough, or self-loving enough. And in this way, we can turn any positive principle for transformation into a tool for rejection with our own judge leading the way. Crafty humans, aren't we? Here's the thing, this breakup won't be about trying to silence or force the judge to go away, which a lot of folks teach, but that self-directed bullying is really just more judging. Using this kind of technique, you would be judging the judge, which is still judging. (laughs) But I guess a judge wouldn't know that. The first step to release yourself from the power of your judge is to take a step back, witness the judge's behavior, and have compassion for it rather than condemning it. When you create a little separation between yourself and that negative voice, you can begin to have deep compassion for how you have treated yourself. A lot of times that's what people mean when they say that we need to forgive ourselves Forgive ourselves for rejecting ourselves. Forgive ourselves for abandoning ourselves. Forgive ourselves for hating ourselves, for bullying ourselves, for believing that we had to treat ourselves that way in the first place. Instead of listening to the inner hatred, fear, and self-sabotage and accepting them as facts, notice them as judgments. Just noticing them is a step into a new way of being, one based in acceptance, support, and love. And once you notice your judge rather than fight it or resist it, 
You can simply say to yourself, I'm not going to treat myself like this today. I'm going to love myself instead, including my inner judge and this part of me that thinks that that's necessary. Then remind yourself that you can choose to bring your attention again and again towards the type of relationship with yourself you want to grow. That of your own best friend, one who is completely committed to you. In this way, you will be using the judgments that arise as a cue on when and where to redirect your attention to love. This won't be silencing the judge. The judge will still appear, okay? We don't just eradicate it. It's still going to show up. But each time it does, you will notice what it says with compassion and choose instead to turn away from judgment and focus on love. Something that's really, really powerful is being able to, I call it holding space, but being able to hold space for yourself. This is one of the beautiful benefits that if you've never experienced coaching, I encourage you to, but you can, with the right coach, right, you can experience what it means for somebody to truly hold space for you, a non-judgmental space. And you could be saying the most judgy thing about yourself You could be exposing something that you have so much shame or embarrassment about. And when you're partnered with the right person that can hold space and compassion and let that not be good, bad, right, or wrong, but allow you to process that, it is phenomenal what can happen from that. Absolutely insane. The level of acceptance and compassion that they can model and teach you to start modeling for yourself. That ain't no joke. (laughs) That's the work, okay? It takes a ton of courage to do that. So remember this, changing your inner relationship with yourself takes time. There's no amount of avoiding it that's going to speed it up. In fact, that makes it longer. And as you start to notice the moments in which you're not speaking kindly to yourself, do your best to ask, what would I say to my best friend or someone I love dearly if they were in this exact situation? So really think about that. What would you say to somebody else in that situation? Breaking up with our judge allows us to shift our relationship with our most negative inner critic. A lot of times we think that this is the enemy, but we've built ourselves up. The enemy doesn't even have to mess with us. We do a great job. (laughs) So a lot of times you're giving the enemy so much credit and he ain't doing that work. You are. He's just watching you just watching you. When we move on from rejecting and berating ourselves, we finally, finally have the opportunity to listen to the voice of our true needs and desires. But before we can move on to claiming what we really want, there's something else we still need to do. Break up with number two, your victim, this inner victim. So now that you found your judge, It's time to locate your victim. Don't think you have a victim. Just curious. The truth is that you can't have a judge without a victim. (laughs) And you can't have a victim without a judge. They are two sides of the same coin. While the judge is that critical voice that says things like, you're not good enough. You'll never be loved. The victim is the part of you that listens, believes, and feels bad as a result. 
hello, abusive relationships, right? Every abusive relationship needs, or a dysfunctional relationship. They're both very similar, depending on the degrees and the levels and the intensity of all of that. But there's got to be a judge. There's got to be a victim, right? So (laughs) the victim, again, is the part of you that listens, believes, and feels bad as a result. It takes the blame and the beating without standing up for itself. Yikes. Breaking up with your victim starts by questioning the rambling pronouncements of your judge rather than believing them without question. We believe so many things without question. It is actually insane. If you are somebody that moves really at a high speed in your life, sometimes we're running from something on purpose. Could be the victim. The good news is that any work you do to break up with one will help you as you work towards breaking up with the other. In addition to noticing when your inner victim accepts what your judge is saying without question, you might also become aware of any long-running stories of victimhood that you have adopted. One common story goes like this. If only this or that hadn't happened, my life would be so much better now. The victim believes this story so thoroughly that it no longer seems to be a judgment at all, but just merely a fact. It's just accepted. Past regrets are one of the biggest sources of fuel for our victim nature. As we work to limit the influence of our victim, it's a good practice to call to mind any past events or decisions you made that you now regret. The process of reframing is what I call that. These bad moments can be very helpful in releasing your victim and committing to yourself. So choose one experience you'd like to reframe and think of all the reasons why that choice or event was somehow good for you. Note that this can be a very difficult practice if you've been through an abusive situation. But the point here is to reclaim your power by remembering that good things have come to you even as a result of painful experiences. So I shared, for example, that I had been in a relationship with somebody that had narcissistic personality disorder. I had no idea what that was. had no idea... I had no desire to know what that was, no interest in Googling it, nothing. However, that level of abuse, right? I couldn't hate that because it's what led me to God, led me straight to God. So as much trauma and abuse was present there, I can't hate that because it led me to the greatest gift of my life. See how that can work? But it's all how you remember things, okay? So for instance, if you've experienced divorce, your reframed list might include things such as, I learned that I can rely on myself and have my own back, okay? Another trait of the victim is that when we shun responsibility, we just literally deflected off of ourselves, acting as if we have no role in a situation and placing the blame on others instead. We can get into some sticky situations. 
part of the beauty of committing to you is that you get to take a piece of responsibility for everything that happens in your life. That's part of taking your power back. I talk a lot about this, by the way, in God's Vibes Matter, Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority, which you can actually get as an audiobook now, but you can get the book if you like to. I personally am old school. I love buying them, reading them, highlighting them, all the things. But if I'm on my car or on a run or something, I listen. So however you like it, but I talk about that a lot, right? Reclaiming your spiritual authority is how you reclaim your power with God. Okay. So part of the beauty of committing to you is that you get to take a piece of responsibility for everything that happens in your life. You might balk at this idea. I get it. But huge, but (laughs) when you accept responsibility, you reclaim your power by realizing that at the very least you have a choice in how you respond to life situations. We may not choose our circumstances, and a lot of times some of the most horrific things we don't choose, but we can always choose how we respond to them and the meaning we assign to them. And this is especially true in relationships in which so many of us tend to play the victim of a partner who isn't living up to our expectations, especially when we think we have done so much for them right? We're all about that holier-than-thou existence. This is an example of those old teenage commitments that I shared in the beginning here. Our tendencies, even as adults, to try to change for other people to be, say, or look as we imagine they want us to. When our partners don't respond in kind by trying to also change themselves, then they aren't playing along and we get all sorts of upset. When they behave in a way we disapprove of, we say they aren't even trying, right? They're not trying to change who they are. And the way we are are working on ourselves or trying to change who we are, they're not even trying, right? And we get mad and play the victim. How could they do this to me? I've done so much for them, right? So many of us have done some version of this strange dance in our relationships, but we don't have to continue in doing that any longer. When you commit to yourself, you realize that you're responsible for your happiness and others are responsible for their own happiness. Certainly, it's fine to be considerate and want to do things for the ones that we love, but The moment we attach a demand for in-kind behavior, we are no longer loving from our heart, but loving with conditions instead. I'm going to say that one again for the people in the back, okay? Listen, listen, get this nugget. The moment we attach a demand for in-kind behavior, we are no longer loving from our own heart, but loving with conditions instead. So, (laughs) committing to yourself. While breaking up with your judge involves bringing a quiet, loving, and nurturing attitude to that part of yourself, breaking up with your victim often requires a different energy. Here's where you have to put your grown-up pants on (laughs) and take responsibility for the events in your life. It's a hard one. 
Committing to yourself places the responsibility on your own shoulders, which at this point you've been in the habit of giving to other people. This doesn't excuse the inappropriate behavior of others, but it does acknowledge that we have a choice in how we respond to any behavior. For some people, this is simultaneously freeing and frightening. This is interesting when it comes to an example. There was someone I was connected to who was with someone who could be physically abusive. And eventually this person went to see a therapist and in their very first meeting asked, so you must like it when he hits you. This person really did not like that or respond well and said, of course I don't like that. Why would you say that? And the therapist looked at her square in the eye and replied, because you're still in the relationship. And this shook this person to her core and she realized that a portion of what the therapist said was true. She would have to, at this point then, undertake the bold step of facing her own willingness to be a victim. And while every relationship is unique, for this person, this statement served as a wake-up call that promoted her to free herself from that relationship. So powerful. More commonly, a lot of subtle victimization occurs when we wish our partners were different than how they actually are. If he only liked this, if she would just think about that, Each of these statements represent one of the little ways in which we give our power away. And if we give up this victim mentality, we regain the power to choose how we respond rather than to automatically suffer. We also honor the intrinsic value of our partner, not as a fantasy version of who we think they ought to be, but as a real and whole human being in their own right. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of somebody just judging you or blaming you and constantly criticizing you, to just be finally accepted as a whole being for who you are is one of the best gifts, actually. Sometimes your internal judge can be so fast with its pronouncements, right, that you miss them. Or... These judgments have been there so long that you believe them and you've made them a part of who you are without even realizing it because we don't question it, right? And when you catch yourself feeling sad, irritable, or anxious, check and see if you are playing the role of a victim in some area. If your inner voice is wailing, why did this happen? This shouldn't have happened. Or most of all, the dreaded, this always happens to me. Stop. Listen. Make space, back up, call it out. Victims take things personally. That is how they're created. Remember, we all have a choice, and the choice is how we react. Nothing anyone says or does is because of you. Let me say that again. Nothing anyone says or does is because of you. When it comes to the bad behavior of others, remember that you're just standing in the target zone. That's on them. You are collateral damage in their war with themselves. 
Once you identify and start to work with your judge and your victim, it's amazing how your relationships with others will also change. Throughout what we've been talking about here, hopefully you can see there's many benefits that come to us when we start looking at the good side of things and investing in responses from a place that is neither a judge or a victim. And this is truly possible. It's crazy, but it is. And really the decision to commit to you to embrace the relationship with yourself means you are taking responsibility for your side of the street from your nose to your toes and nothing more. So lastly, number three, claiming what you want more of in your life. What we have a tendency to do is focus on all the things that we don't want. We become so familiar with those things and we just keep inviting more and more of those into our lives. What we're not good at is actually claiming what we do want and moving towards that more and more in our life. And as you begin to break up with your judge and your victim, This actually frees you to answer the foundational question at the center of your commitment to yourself. What do I want more of in my life? When you first ask yourself what you want more of, you might notice that your mind comes up with all sorts of answers. You might be longing for the person you're in a relationship with now to behave in a particular way, Or if you're not in a relationship right now, perhaps you have a mental list of what you want in a future partner. However, in this moment, what I'd like you to focus on is slightly different. Rather than focusing on people, places, and things, try exploring the feelings that you want to create in your life. So for instance, do you want to experience more love in your life? Peace? compassion, excitement, generosity, connection, gratitude, self-acceptance. While the things, quote unquote, that you want will always and forever be changing, the feelings you want to create in your life rarely change. It's fascinating, actually. In my many years of coaching and teaching, very few, if any, people have expressed that they would like to feel more fear, guilt, shame, and resentment in their lives. (laughs) Yet, those are exactly the feelings your judge and your victim create within you. More than ever, when we focus on feelings, we see the importance of breaking up with our judge and our victim. Yet, the crazy part is we're not taught to do this. You can take action on it though. So once you've identified the feelings you want to feel, ask yourself what action steps you can take to bring more of these desired feelings into your life. This is actually where it gets really fun, okay? This is the time to tap into your creative energy and awaken your inner sense of wonder and play, my favorite. (laughs) Right, like some of the people that are closest to me know that I love (laughs) playtime. Like, are we playing today? Like, I don't say, are we hanging out? Are we playing? Okay. So for example, if you're craving more love, how do you bring that sense of love into your life? A good starting place is to close your eyes and think of someone or something. It could be a child or a pet, something that's easy to love. Someone who, when you think of them, lightens and brightens your heart. 
luxuriate in that feeling for a little while. Feel the warmth of love and notice the sensations in your body. Then see if you can extend that same kind of joyful love to yourself. From this place, you can let your mind explore and come up with the ways to bring more of that sense of love into your life. You might try making a beautiful meal for yourself, walking in nature, or spending some time actually just pampering yourself. I've got a whole vibe. One of the things that is somewhat unique, I guess, in my story is that I've moved a lot, moved across the country a lot and started over, right? So something that I started developing a knack for was creating spaces that were welcoming to anybody. Like they could go in there and just be like, right? Like peace lives here. Ease lives here. Refreshing is here, right? Like why come to a place where it's even more stressful when you get in it? That can't be my home. It just ain't gonna work. (laughs) So I've got like a whole vibe. I've got essential oils. I've got candles. I've got the right lighting, like all the stuff, right? I've got all the pillows and all the blankets. It's a vibe, okay? And that's on purpose because I enjoy feeling at home now, okay? And feeling like I can relax and unwind or create and, and just reflect in my life. So C right? If you can come up with ways to bring more of what you want into your life. All right. Here's the bonus. As you arrange to take actions that bring yourself love, you begin to understand more about what it is you really want deep in your heart through the physical experience and emotional feeling of those wants. Then you will be so much better equipped to reach out and ask for what you want from other people. Okay, this is big. I know in the beginning of doing this kind of work, I was looking a lot of the time at a feelings wheel and an emotions wheel because I didn't even know what my feelings were, right? Like I hadn't been feeling a majority of them, so I didn't even know how to start doing it. And I had to start thinking about how I wanted to feel, which is kind of a back end way (laughs) to get there. But I didn't even know it was possible. I didn't know that I could choose to feel something and go after that did not make sense. But actually seeing a feelings wheel can help you start considering what you do want to invite more of into your life. You can just Google that. So Google like a feelings wheel or an emotions wheel. And you have to really, to do this work, you have to start by nourishing yourself first, by taking responsibility for feeding yourself the love, compassion, and gentleness you crave. You cannot go and ask other people to give that to you if you will not first give that to yourself. It is not fair. This will allow you to be more intimate, present, and playful with others as well. And as you fill up your inner reserves of the love, peace, and generosity that you deeply desire, you will find that all of your relationships will shift. You are no longer trying to get approval from the outside or resenting a perceived lack of what you need. Freedom. Freedom. That is what that feels like. And this allows you to rest into being the best you can be and releases your actions so that they can come from your love rather than from your judgment or victimhood. Right? Have you ever been on the receiving end of somebody's love? 
rather than their judgment or victimhood, they feel totally different. Embrace this radical, beautiful transformation as you find you can be at peace with the person you are right now. Radical concept. You can be at peace with the person you are right now. And from this place, you can be sure that any desire to create change in your behavior and circumstances will come from the love and support of yourself rather than from a place of criticism or fear. Okay, an example of this, I was a collegiate athlete. I um, was a gymnast. I did a lot of really crazy competitive sports that were intense, and especially when it comes to negativity. (laughs) As you can imagine, gymnastics is all about perfection and judgment, right? Like they literally have judges judging your every move. So life can feel that way, especially when that's been ingrained into your being. So for me to get to a place where I actually enjoyed taking care of my body, also after I had really had a whole war against myself, that was a huge jump, right? And now to to just be able to enjoy working out and taking care of this vessel I've been given, right? That is something that is fun for me now. There's nothing competitive about it to me at all, right? Like I, I won't actually put myself in any sort of athletic competitive thing, just have zero desire for that. But I do love working out and taking care of my body, right? I, I do like being strong and feeling strong in my body and healthy in my body. I like the energy that that provides to me, the sleep that I get at night that feels really great, the way that I eat that fuels me now after knowing the opposite right? It's such a joy now because it was such a pain, a source of pain in the past, right? So it's so wild that you can actually start supporting yourself instead of criticizing and judging yourself. Beautiful, right? And committing to ourselves, the hope that I want to offer here is that that provides a firm foundation from which you can commit to others in a very real way, A real way, not a Hollywood way, a real way. Commitment to self should never be thought of as a path to be completely independent or a way to pretend we don't need anyone else. That's called pride, okay? The truth is we are all interdependent. Any notion that we can absolutely be independent is based off our ego. We must continue to find a balance between filling ourselves up finding love within and recognizing that we are community-minded beings who need friendship, affection, and love. We need it. It's built into who we are. Others in our lives are precious gifts, and we enjoy and honor those gifts most wholly when we are centered and grounded in ourselves. And in this way, committing in a relationship is about making a choice to say yes to another human with a whole and open heart. That's a powerful yes. Deeply grounded in our love for ourselves, we can begin to think about what types of commitments we are making to others. Here's some that we can make in our relationships. To show up, to be present, to be really present. I'm talking no cell phones. (laughs) Be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. To listen, to be open-minded, to literally give eye contact, right? To be willing to grow, to be kind, to be loving, to do our best, to help each other with mutual honor and respect. 
it's wild that these things seem so far out there, but for most people they are. Beyond these, we get to turn on our imagination and tap into our true desires. We get to do the difficult and rewarding work of finding out what we really want and what we are willing to commit to within a happy and healthy relationship. And just as every person is one of a kind, so too is every relationship. Some people may be willing to commit to things that others will not, and that's okay. What's important is that you are honest and able to communicate what works for you and what does not. Once you have a solid inner commitment with yourself, then you expand out and focus on each individual relationship in your life. The first secret to be happy and healthy, to actually start enjoying who you're becoming, starts with you and your commitment to yourself, to embrace yourself, to break up with your judge and victim, and decide what you want. From this place, this clean mirror, if you will, you can commit to someone else in the capacity you both agree to with clear eyes and open hearts. Okay? So really, really think about this. Something that I like to do is having these explorations with self where you can start really making space for you, okay? So some things that I can offer here. One, prayers, meditating on the word of God, really solidifying what it is that you want to step into or even co-create with God to manifest in your life, okay? These actions act as outward expressions of an inner desire, and in this case, your desire to affirm your commitment to yourself. So what I love to do is put one hand on my heart and one hand on my belly, and I just breathe and take an intentional breath inward, and I hold it usually for three seconds, and then I release it, and I do these big breaths a few times, and then I say, I commit to bringing a new relationship with myself into being. I commit to learning how to love myself in this moment and this time as I am. I commit to being compassionate and gentle and fiercely loving with myself. I commit to getting to know the being I am right now. I commit to no longer abandoning or rejecting myself. I commit to staying with myself on this journey of life at my pace and in my own time. And speaking this out loud to yourself voices your inner commitment to yourself. And that's really your first step to consciously committing to yourself. So you can write this on a piece of paper. You can read it out loud, whatever it is. I'm giving you a version of what it could look like, right? But you can write your own personal version of this and bring this dedication along into your relationship with other people. You are stepping into this journey of life as a friend and an ally to yourself. Okay, you can do a feeling visualization. And this is where you can really step into relating with yourself. You can make a list of the feelings you want to experience more of. So for example, you might want more peace, compassion, love, excitement, joy, generosity, ease, communion, gratitude, self-acceptance, all the above. (laughs) But after you've listed a few of the feelings you really want to create more of, the next step is to experience those feelings in your body ahead of time. 
So you can close your eyes again, take a breath into your belly, and ask what feeling do you want to experience more of? And imagine giving yourself the gift of that feeling. Think of a person or thing that makes you feel love and let that feeling generate inside of you. Notice the physical sensations of the love you're experiencing. How does it feel in your belly? Does it have a temperature, a vibration, a sound? Do the same for gratitude. What are you grateful for? Can you feel that gratitude in your mind and in your body? How does peace feel? Visualize yourself on a beach, on a mountaintop, in a forest, or wherever your peaceful place is. My peaceful place is floating, (laughs) right? Back on salt water, just floating on top of the water in the middle of the ocean. Love that feeling, just being buoyant, right? Experience the feelings of deep peace. And you can stay doing this for, I recommend 15 minutes at a time, And when you run through all the emotions on your list, thank yourself for being open and present for that exercise. And that practice can really be used to access and attract any emotion into your life. And it's a great place to start to get ideas on how to bring more of these feelings into your life on a daily basis. So it's starting to engage your imagination. And then lastly, I recommend making time for you as part of a commitment to you. This can feel crazy in the beginning, but it's imperative that you do this. Forming new habits is one of the most powerful practices available to us, and it can help us break down bigger wants into smaller pieces that we can integrate into our daily routines. So if you want to make more time for a loving relationship with yourself, you got to start small. Decide that each day you will make one small gesture that opens up a little more time for you. Commit to making a cup of tea for yourself. Pick a movie and put it in your calendar as an official date with yourself. Take a walk without your phone. It can even be as simple as committing to one moment per day of looking in the mirror and saying, as you would to a dear friend, what you want yourself to remember. Maybe I like you just for being you. What up, friends? Right? You can just start talking to yourself. Commit to one of these small gestures per day and see where it leads you. I have found that you'll you'll likely want to do it more, actually. It's quite wild. So my hope is that part of me sharing today has served you, that these tools and examples of how you can start breaking up with your judge and your victim and start co-creating and manifesting this life that you do want are powerful and practical ways that you can commit to you. Because when we don't like who we're becoming, that is something that we are aware of. But in order to change that, we have to be willing to do something different. And sometimes we don't because we don't know what to do. But that's an excuse. And I just gave you a few things you can start doing. (laughs) Right? The invitation here is, will you? And I will say, I don't, I do not recommend doing this work alone. I recommend finding the coach, the mentor, the spiritual advisor, therapist sometimes, the the programs, whatever it is, the support that you need. A lot of times, my recommendation, hands down, pray to God, ask him, 
watch him guide you. And then when he guides you, jump. Jump, right? It's not going to feel comfortable to do something new in your life, but do it. You'll be so grateful and your reward is usually in your jump. Okay, so I hope this message blessed you. I want to remind you that God's Vibes Mastermind is open for enrollment. This is a sacred community, y'all, I must tell you. Whew, what we do in there is brilliant, big, it's beautiful. And you're invited to be a part of that. Don't take that lightly. We take it very seriously around here. It would be an honor to be able to do this work with you. You can enroll now. It's www.couragecoat.org, the God's Vibes Mastermind. You can also plug into this free challenge that we're doing, Master Your Emotions. We're doing it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Get plugged in there. We do monthly challenges and trainings every single month. You can join us monthly if you want to be a part of these live, or maybe you can't join us live, but you want the replays. There is a monthly membership that you can be a part of or just even a one-time payment to get access to all of that. So you can find that over at Courage Co. as well. It's called the Courage Co. Masterclass Bundle. You can either take that on monthly or just a one-time payment, but you can hang with us every single month, get live coaching, watch all the replays on demand, and get ongoing coaching and support with that content. All right? Hope to see you in Courage Co. And until next time, stay blessed. Listen, if you are not plugged into Courage Co. yet, what are you doing? Courage Co. is a faith-based community off social media that you can access from your phone or your desktop literally from anywhere. It is a safe place and a sacred space for you to invest in and live your most courageous and impactful story. You can join us for free for prayer calls and challenges for a monthly subscription where we have monthly masterclasses or the God's Vibes Mastermind where you will get live master life coaching at a price that you won't get anywhere else. 12 weeks of content that we will go through together or you can navigate at your own pace. You'll have lifetime access to that. A community of women doing this alongside of you, a workbook and so many other materials to help you on your journey. And I just want you to imagine for a second, having the courage, clarity, and focus to achieve anything you desire. Walking into any situation, fully confident, knowing you have everything you need to succeed. Embracing challenges and overcoming obstacles with grace and ease. Feeling only love and compassion for others, no matter how they may have hurt you in the past. Standing up for what you believe in and taking unstoppable action to create the kind of world you want to live in. You're in the right place to take your next step on your journey. When you plug into the God's Vibes Mastermind, I'll teach you how to identify and eliminate the self-limiting beliefs and habits that are stopping you from getting the results you want. I'll teach you how to heal old wounds that have negatively impacted your self-image and self-esteem for far too long. I'll show you how to dismantle the story of who you are and what you can or cannot do in the world. I'll help you expand your consciousness from fear-based limitation to love and compassion and service to the world. I'll help you vanquish the inner enemies that are stopping you from being all that you can be. 
release your victimhood and reclaim your power. Develop a aligned mindset and habits to boost your productivity and results. Gain deeper awareness of your own inner light and divinity and achieve the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self-mastery needed to achieve any goal. You will learn how to think the way God formed, shaped, and anointed you to think and succeed the way he always intended and show up in any situation as the most powerful person in the room, no matter what challenges might appear on your path. If this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, I want to invite you to join the God's Vibes Mastermind. You can get plugged into it over at Courage Co. You can access Courage Co. at any level at www.courageco.org. Together, we will awaken your inner warrior spirit and unleash your capacity to achieve any goal you can imagine. You will become an example of what's possible with God.